You know, it was so hard not to come out here like Willy Wonka at the beginning of the movie and kind of walk and then go into that flip. We actually talked about it at staff meeting. Like if we had some mats or something, could we pull this off possibly? And my wife was giving me the dagger eyes. And so we figured it probably wasn't the best idea. End up back in the hospital, would have been a little anticlimactic. Would have had to change the name of the series to what Doug learned from actually dying. So (laughs) thankfully, we thought better. Uh, Before I jump into the message, I just have to thank a bunch of people. Um, First off, we got to thank our staff. Can you guys give it up for our team? These guys have been so amazing. And uh, through this whole, you know, two and a half months that I was just completely out of the loop, they just killed it, did an incredible job. And uh, I would get texts from other pastor friends like, oh, who's preaching for you today? I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm just trying to breathe in the hospital, you know. And uh, they just were incredible. And so I'm so thankful for them. I want to thank all you guys for fighting for me, uh, the way that you guys prayed for me, the way that you guys came around my family when I couldn't come around my family and cared for us. Just incredible. The, the you know, people driving past my house late at night, the rings going off, like, just another prayer. Don't worry about it. Just go to bed. Like, they're just driving by the house to pray for us. Uh, driving around the hospital, um, friends coming and just parking their car in the parking lot and praying. And just incredible. I'm so grateful for that. Um, I want to thank, and I keep choking up right here, all the nurses and doctors that cared for me. Uh, we've had many of them here in the services throughout the day. And it's just been incredible to have them in the room. Um, and I just want to take a minute and thank every healthcare worker. And I just want to ask you to stand. If you are a healthcare worker, can you just jump up real quick? We've had a bunch of them in the services all throughout the day. And uh, we've got some more here, some more here, some more there, there, there. Awesome. We appreciate you guys so much. And we just want to show our appreciation. Um, at the info desk, there are gift bags for each of you guys. And we just encourage you to grab those. Just our little way to say thank you for what you guys do. So appreciate all that you do and all that you are. I uh, thank my wife and kids who are right here in this little section uh, for fighting for me in prayer, for um, just battling and trusting that God's big still, and um, really just praying, worshiping, trusting, leaning into the Lord and all that he is, and so, so grateful for you guys and all that you've done for me. I have to thank uh, my dad and family right here on this side of the row, um, just incredible, my sister and her family, uh, amazing, you guys fighting for me, my dad coming and... Uh, just sitting in the hospital lobby on Christmas Eve when they didn't know if I was going to make it and just praying for hours. And uh, just all the notes of encouragement and prayer. Just can't thank you guys enough. Um, Got to thank, too, my in-laws for fighting for me. And um, I was thinking this is the perfect situation for my father-in-law. It's every father-in-law's dream to see their son-in-law dead. And he got so close, <laughs> like so stinking close, you know. But instead of rooting for that, he fought for me, and I'm so thankful for that, and to my nieces and nephews, and brothers and sisters-in-law, mother-in-law, incredible. Um, Also, just got to thank the Academy, and the uh, (laughs) directors, and cinematographers, and I I noticed the key grip often goes unnoticed, and I want to thank especially him. So I'm going to tell my story for the next few weeks, and um, before I do, before I talk about what I learned from Almost Dying, I just want to say that I know some of you guys didn't get the miracle. I know some of you guys prayed and asked God for something big and you had big faith and you trusted God could do it and you're right, he could do it and and there's a whole lot that goes into all that but you didn't get the answer to prayer. And I just want to let you know that I know that and I, I feel that too. In the last two weeks, our family has lost two family friends and my grandma and 
Sometimes you walk in through the valley of the shadow of death and it's difficult and it's hard and you don't feel the answers and you're questioning why, God, and why have you allowed this? And maybe some of you right now, if you're honest, you're here in the room, you're watching online, and you're going, why did this guy get the miracle and not me? And so I understand that pain and I walk through that with you. And I pray, though, that my story will give us all the hope to keep on going to God and believing and trusting that he still is a big God that does miracles. Even when we all suffer loss. Every one of us suffers loss, by the way. And so as we walk through that, we wrestle with that. There's also a hope that we can continue to go to God, that, that he still does big things and that he's got a plan even in the midst of some of the most heartbreaking things that we might walk through. So I need your guys' help tonight. I need you to participate a little bit. And so I'm going to ask everybody, just breathe in. Go ahead, breathe in and breathe out. Breathe in and breathe out. You're a bunch of show-offs is what you all are. I couldn't do that, right? It's just so simple. Just breathe, right? I just couldn't do it. And so I ended up with COVID pneumonia, and I ended up being taken to the hospital on December 12th. And that whole week, I, I was trying to breathe. I was praying I could breathe. I was... Uh, doing everything I could. There was one doctor in particular that would come in and he would just try to walk me through breathing. He would try to tell me, you know, do this, hold your, you know, hold that breath as you inhale and then release. And I just couldn't ever do what he was asking me to do. I had a mask and a cannula on blasting 100% oxygen at me and I still couldn't breathe. Eventually, I was put on the vent on Christmas Eve and uh, you guys right now, your oxygen level is probably between 95 and 100 percent okay and on the vent on christmas eve mine was 68 percent and so mary's thinking christmas to me i was doing again everything i could and i just couldn't breathe and then my poor wife and kids on christmas eve night got a call from the doctors that i was rapidly declining and they were going to try something called ecmo life support and they used that for many different reasons but in my case that's a really bad thing me having uh, double pneumonia and having my lungs in such bad shape basically to try to put me on life support was a last ditch effort and nobody had come off yet like it hadn't worked on anybody and after the fact when I came off ECMO doctors kept coming into the room saying I can't believe you're here I can't believe you came off of this life support I can't believe that you made it coming off life support and, and ECMO. And that's why I have scars all in here. Um, other parts of my body, the way that they did it, I don't even know because I would say to Kelly, like, how does ECMO work? And she'd start telling me and I'd be like, I don't want to know anymore. And uh, one time she came to visit me in the hospital and I looked down and I had a hole in my leg and I was like, why do I have a hole? She's like, well, you're on ECMO. They put you on life support, you know, the whole deal. And they put a shunt in your leg. And I was like, I don't, if anything with the word shunt, I don't just shunt up. I I don't want to hear anything having to do with that. Right. But by God's grace, I come off ECMO and I'm still on the vent for several days and I'm really alert. Like I was crazy alert. In fact, one of the nurses that was here this morning told me that they were giving me while I was on ECMO, the, the highest legal amount of sedation when I was on ECMO and yet I'm waving at the camera to my wife and kids and I'm drawing uh, and writing to the nurses and doctors and um, the first thing I ever wrote was that the nurse could tell I was frustrated and trying to, I obviously can't talk and so she got me a piece of paper and a pen and I just wrote Kelly, my wife's name, over the paper on both sides and just filled it and was obviously trying to communicate to my wife and I was really, really alert and 
I remember the stress of feeling like, how am I going to get past this? How am I going to be able to breathe the right way? I just couldn't seem to do it. And it was a serious problem. And I want you to know tonight that what happened to me physically is a picture of all of us spiritually. You see, you and I have a problem. We can't breathe on our own. We can't breathe on our own. What do I mean by that? Well, just like I was desperate for God to breathe life into my lungs, you and I are desperate for God to bring life into our souls, into our spirits, to make us alive and keep us alive and, and keep us connected to him and active and walking close to him. We're absolutely desperate and dependent on him for every single thing. Just like I was dependent on God for every breath physically, you and I are dependent on God spiritually. And I want to talk with you today about what it looks like to breathe. We're going to kind of have that theme throughout the message today of breathe. We're going to find it throughout scripture. We're going to find it in my story. And the reason this is so important to talk about is because there's life that's available to you and I only when we allow God to breathe into us. There's peace, there's hope, there's joy, there's faith, there's freedom, there's healing, there's salvation. There's all kinds of things that are all wrapped up in God breathing into our life. There's physical things, spiritual things, and just plain old good things that God wants to give us, but they are all dependent on you and I breathing in all that God is. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to talk to you for a minute. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad you're here or watching online, and I'm going to talk to you in a minute too. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you might find yourself in one of these categories. Maybe you would say, you know, I really struggle with this idea of going to God currently. Like there was a time God breathed into my life. I was at church. I was at a friend's house. I was at youth camp. I was at college. I I don't know where you were, but God breathed into your life. You felt it. You experienced it. It changed you for a season. But it's been a while, right? Since you've had that fresh breath of God in your lungs, so to speak. It's been a while since you really felt his presence. And often when that happens, our lives become kind of spiritually dead, spiritually boring, spiritually we're just not feeling or sensing that God is at work and, and maybe a bit lifeless. So let me ask you a question. Have you breathed lately? Have you breathed in who God is lately? Or are you just looking back to something that happened a year ago, five years ago, 50 years ago maybe for some of us? Is it current? Is your relationship with God current? Now some of us might be in a different category. You see, we, we go to God to breathe and fill us back up after we've completely exhausted ourselves and exerted ourselves. And I found that, because I've been focusing on breathing a lot, a lot lately, that most of my life, this is what I've done when it comes to physical breathing. If I have to pick up something heavy, you know, because hey, I, you know, I, I work out, it takes a lot to keep all this together, you know. It, it's not easy to pull off the screech from say by the Bell look. And uh, so I actually wrote that joke a few weeks ago and I was about 15 pounds lighter, which it would have been funnier then. But, uh, you know, the same is true with us and God. We often will try to work, 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 right? Exert ourselves. Many of us might even say, man, I just keep on trying to do what God wants me to do. But we don't inhale his presence to give us the strength and the power to do it, right? And so we're like, all right, I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be pure. I'm going to break this addiction. I'm going to, you know, stop my temper. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop going to that place. I keep going to that place. And when I go to that place, I find myself in trouble. But we forget to stop and first breathe the presence of God, which then empowers us to stop going to that place or break the addiction or stop the struggle. We're so dependent on God to breathe into our lives. Maybe 
you're in this category. You kind of get some air from God and you breathe a little bit. But then, isn't it so easy for you and I in this busy world we live in to then just kind of disconnect from God throughout the rest of our day? Some of us will wake up early and set our alarm alarm clock a little early and we will pray and we will open up the scripture and we will breathe and it feels good. But then somehow, man, in this crazy world we live in, we end up closing the Bible app or closing the physical Bible and we just don't think about God again until the next morning. And that's like you and I not breathing throughout the day. God so badly wants to breathe into our lives. So let, let me just ask for a show of hands. How many of you people have been scuba diving? Anybody here in the room? You guys are the worst scuba service of the day. <laughs> this one person right over here. Wow, one person. Okay, well, I really honestly can't believe there's only one of you that have done this. Because when you go scuba diving, it's incredible. I just highly recommend it. Because you will see things that blow your mind when you're down there with all this aquatic life. I can't even tell you how amazing it is because I actually haven't done it either. But people who have done it have told me that when you go deep, right? Because this is what it's all about, going deep, right? When you go deep, you see things that you don't see near the surface, right? And, and you think about what you and I do Aside, except from her, oh, we, when we go out there, we breathe and we swim as, as low as we can get, right? But it's not very deep and we, we come back up and we need more air. And then we go back down and we, we don't get very deep again. Come back up for air, right? And that's sometimes the picture of you and I in our relationship with God. We spend that time with him. Maybe it's our lunch break. Maybe it's late at night and we breathe and it feels good. And then we go and exert and exert, but we can't go too far in God, because we have to keep going back to the surface for air. But I think about the scuba person who grabs a hold of a tank, right, and straps this on somehow, and they can just keep going. They can go nice and deep, and they'll see things in the depths that they don't see near the surface, and there will be an ease and an enjoyment in what they see down deep because they're connected to the breath of life. And the same is true for you and I in our relationship with God. God wants us to go deep in him. He wants us to continue on to see and discover more of him and who he is and what he can do and how he can answer prayer and how he can show up and use us and give us purpose and a mission, right? But we have to remain connected to him. We have to walk through the pizzeria with Jesus, right? Because he might want us to talk to somebody or pray for somebody or encourage somebody. Right? We have to make sure that we're walking through the grocery store connected to Jesus. We have to make sure that we're walking through our school cafeteria and we have to make sure we're at work with Jesus because, man, he's the one that's going to empower us to live this way that he's called us to. And we so often try to do it without breathing. And so I just wonder what it would look like in the deep places we could go if we would remain connected to the source of life. See, the funny thing about breathing is we have to keep doing it, Right? And we know that physically, but we so often forget that spiritually. Truth is, we're dependent on God for every breath. A.B. Simpson was a man that died over 100 years ago. He was a great man of faith, but he was frustrated at times. And he was frustrated because he would strive for certain levels of holiness. He would say, okay, I'm going to live a certain way. I'm going to do this. I'm going to perform and make sure that you know, I get to this level of, of purity or sanctification, and wow, just watch what I can do. But he got frustrated because he would fall short and fall short. And then he began to ask God for some healing, and he would pray for sick people, and they wouldn't get healed in the way that he wanted or in the time frame that he wanted. 
and he would find himself frustrated. And I just want to take a minute here. We're getting off topic for a second, but I think it's important. I need some of you guys to know here that it's okay to be frustrated with God. He can handle that. And it's okay to be honest with God when you're frustrated with him. Because if you've ever read the Psalms, you're going to find some people who are frustrated at times. David and the other Psalm writers, man, they lay it out there. How long, God? Where are you, God? Why have I forsaken, Lord? And, and in that, we find this honesty with God, and there can be open communication. So I just want to let you know, if you're disappointed with God, if you're upset with God, you're frustrated, go to him with that frustration. He can handle it. And he sees it anyway, right? We come, oh, Lord, how wonderful you are and how holy, and our heart's going, ah, right? He sees that. So let's just be real with him. He can handle it, and he can love you through it. But here's A.B. Simpson, and he, he brings his frustration to God, and, and he said this. He said that he felt like God gave him this reply. My child, you must come to me for the next breath because I love you so dearly. I want you to come all the time. If I gave you a great supply, you would do without me and would not come to me so often, which, man, that is you and I, isn't it? And that's also the entire Old Testament, right? I'm going to go to God. He's going to give me what I want, and then I'm going to walk away and do horrible things, and I'm going to go back to God. He's going to give me what I want, and he's going to heal me and restore me and give me peace and forgive me, and I'm going to walk back away. And, guys, that's some of us. That's our whole lives. And here's A.B. Simpson realizing, wow, maybe God sometimes allows some weakness in my life so that I depend more on him. And he, he closes it out saying, now you have to come to me every second, dependent on God for every breath, physically, spiritually, and for all the good things. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're kind of just testing the waters here tonight, I want to thank you for coming. This is amazing to have you as our guest in this room. Amazing to have you watching online. And we're so thankful for that. And maybe for you, as I've talked about, kind of exerting yourself a lot, um, doing without inhaling God and his presence and, and just kind of being one of those people that's going to make yourself right with God. You're going to fix yourself. You're going to make yourself more lovable so that he will actually want you. I just want to let you know that none of that stuff works. It's exhausting. We find ourselves suffocating and drowning in all that. Maybe there's a better way. Maybe it's different to breathe in the breath of God first and then go out and do good works. You see, sometimes we think we're going to do the good works and then we're going to get the love of God. But what if we got the love of God and then did, went and did the good works? It's a whole different way. A lot of our relationship with God is fear-based, especially on Long Island. There's a lot of really religious people on Long Island and they think, okay, this is about performance. This is about me doing. And as long as I do what I have to do because I'm afraid of God, because if I don't do the right thing, then I'm going to go to hell or I'm going to get in trouble or something bad's going to happen to me. And it's fear, fear, fear. But what if we said, wow, I'm already loved. I'm already accepted by God. He loves me just like I am. Yeah, he wants me to change. But instead of me trying to change myself and exerting and exerting, what if I received his love and then breathed in his presence and now he's giving me supernatural power to live a different way? Man, those are two very different scenarios. What if you and I begin to live that way? So what we're going to do is talk about what it looks like to breathe today. Talk about what it looks like to breathe in the very presence of God. And we're going to look at a few snapshots in Scripture. And I just pray that every one of us, whether we've been a Christian 50 years or we're here tonight and we would not at all call ourselves a follower of Jesus, I pray that we'll all know what it is to breathe the presence of God, the life of God. And I pray that we will all leave here with the same prayer. God, just breathe on me. Breathe into my life. Maybe for the first time or maybe for the thousandth time. 
breathe into my life. And so at the beginning, God was at play, right? He was creating. He was creating all kinds of things. And this is the God who created some really incredible things. I got some pictures for you. He created this sunset. And I don't know if you saw the sunset last night, but it was pretty close to that. That was unbelievable last night. My whole family's outside, like taking pictures. Like this is incredible. He created this lion. I mean, lions are beautiful, amazing, like fierce. Like there you are trying to pet it and then you're gone. Like it's just so crazy, right? But this is also the God who created whatever that thing is. And then he's gonna create you and me, right? His prize creation, the only piece of his creation that would bear his image, the only piece of his creation that would have the possibility of knowing and walking with him. And it says this in Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed, everybody say breathe. Breathe, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. So think about it. God wants to give life. He could have snapped his fingers. He could have spoken a command. He could have done all these different things. But instead, what does he do? He breathes. The, Greek, or the Hebrew word here is nefach. He breathes into his creation. And so the very beginning, from the very beginning, the picture for you and me is we are dependent on God for physical life. We are dependent on his breath for physical life. If you and I have oxygen in our lungs right now, it's because God is keeping us alive. Man, did I learn this in this last season like never before. There's nothing I could do to breathe myself. I became so dependent on God in every way, literally going to him for every breath. And when I was on ECMO and the vent, there were these visions, dreams, whatever you want to call them, where I would see the picture of exactly what we're talking about. And I'm going to share that with you at the end of the message today. But it was this crystal clear picture of how dependent I was on God for every single breath. How the God who breathes life into our nostrils needed to breathe life into me. We're dependent on God's breath for physical life. Now we know that. We don't think about it a lot until it's challenged, but we know that. But what happened to me physically is a picture of you and I spiritually. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to transition several thousand years ahead. I'm going to catch everybody up. So Adam and Eve sin, and then we have a big problem, right? We can't make ourselves right with God. Everybody was trying. Like for thousands of years, people are trying to make themselves right with God. They're trying to obey the rules, the law. They're trying to do everything they can to be pure and holy, and they keep struggling. Sounds a lot like you and me, right? There's only one thing that can make us right with God, and that was Jesus, the Son of God, coming to earth, right? And dying on the cross and then rising again. Now that's where I lose some of you, right? Some of you will go, I'll give you that Jesus was a historical figure. I'll give you that he was placed on a cross, but the rising back from the dead thing, listen, I understand if you struggle with that because I've struggled with that. And there was a season in my life where I really couldn't come around this without deep study and seeking God and prayer and trying to say, is this real? Now, some of you are saying, Doug, it sounds like you're getting off topic. Why are we talking about this? Because if Jesus isn't alive, I have nothing to offer any of you here tonight. Like we could just go home because that's all I got. If Jesus is still in the grave, then we're all in big trouble 
because we can't fix ourselves or work our way to God. So we need to know if Jesus was alive. Now for a few minutes, I'm gonna talk about this because the scripture leads us there and kind of keeps us on this theme of breathing, which you'll see in just a minute. But in these scriptures, we kind of can answer some pretty intense questions. Now if you leave here and you're like, yeah, Doug, you didn't quite convince me, then you and I are grabbing coffee in the very near future because there's a lot to talk about. In fact, we did a 10-week series years ago called Evidence where we talked about all the evidence. It took 10 Sundays to get through the material of the proof that Jesus is actually out of that grave. And so let me talk with you for a few minutes. We're leading up to Easter next week. Today's Palm Sunday, right? And so next Sunday, we're going to celebrate a risen Savior. But did he actually rise from the dead? Well, look at John 20, 19. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Okay, so kind of cool. The doors are locked. The followers of Jesus are afraid that the same people that came after Jesus were going to come after them. They've heard rumors that Jesus is alive, but they haven't seen him yet. And here is Jesus. Some of you guys are going, well, maybe they saw like a hologram or a mirage or, you know, maybe they were just completely seeing something crazy and there they were all distracted and and unsure of what they would see. Now, I love that that's what we think because I think Jesus knew that's what we would think. In fact, he thought his followers would think that. How do we know that? Because look at what Jesus did next. In verse 20, it says, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Okay, so this is a physical person, not a mirage. This is not R2-D2 shooting out. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only. Okay, so many more of you have seen that movie than have gone scuba diving. So someone (laughs) mark that down. Now, why would showing his hands inside matter at all? Who cares? Because the last time they saw Jesus, he was hanging on a cross with nails in his hands, and they eventually took a spear and put it into Jesus' side. Jesus' enemies, the men crucifying him, wanted to make sure he was actually dead, right? And so even Jesus' enemies are making sure that Jesus is dead at this point. And so if you're here tonight going, well, maybe Jesus survived the cross, and they took him out, and he kind of resuscitated over the next few days. No, even his enemies were certain Jesus is dead. They gave him the test by thrusting that spear into his side. And so here's Jesus now saying, okay, here's my scars in my hands, here's the scar in my side, and I am actually here. Now, some of you guys might have one more objection. Let me hit this quick because it's a big one. Some of you guys might be saying, because I asked this question, well, what if Jesus' followers were lying? Because we're going off their, their testimony here, right? Like if Jesus is alive, we only know that because Jesus' followers said it. And what if they made it up? What if they all got together and said, hey, guys, we get rich off this. We can become famous off this. We get some political power off of this. Well, the reason we know that's not true is because every one of Jesus' followers was beaten, imprisoned, tortured, and 11 out of the 12 were brutally murdered. Why? Because they all said Jesus was alive. They wouldn't stop saying he's alive. And you and I know something. You don't die for what you know is a lie. You might die for the truth, but you're not going to die for what you know is a lie. Peter, we're going to put you on a cross, hang you upside down, and crucify you if you keep saying Jesus is alive. Well, guess what? I made that up. It was a hoax. You guys don't have to worry about that crucifixion thing anymore. I'm all right. No, that's not what he did. He ended up on that cross, in fact, being hung upside down so he'd be crucified in a different way than his Savior. Not worthy of thinking of being crucified like Jesus was. 
So if you're exploring faith today, if you're wondering if Jesus can be trusted, if you're wondering, here's a guy claiming that God did a miracle in my life, can he be trusted? I'm here to tell you today, yes, Jesus can be trusted. You're going, what does all this have to do with the breath of God and breathing? Well, look what it says in the next part. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So he's sending them out on a mission. Look at what it says next. And with that, he breathed. Everybody say breathe. Breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so risen Jesus wants his followers to be empowered to go do something incredible in the world and turn the world upside down. We're still talking about it today, thousands of years later. And he knew that they would need to be empowered. He knew that they were gonna need the spirit of God, the presence of God dwelling in them. And he breathed on them. The Greek word is emufaso, breathed on them. And many of you guys know more of the Holy Spirit was coming, right? Like this was just a deposit, the down payment, because more of the Holy Spirit was coming. And I want to encourage you, that means you and I should be praying, oh God, more of you, more of your spirit, God. You breathed on your followers, but then there was more of the Holy Spirit. And there was another time in the scriptures we see in Acts when the Holy Spirit comes again in a different way. And so, man, for you and me, we better keep saying, God, breathe into my life. Holy Spirit, breathe into my life. I want the very presence of God in me to empower me to live a different way. I hope you're seeing We are dependent on God's breath for spiritual life. Matthew Henry says this. He breathed on them, not only to show them by this breath of life that he himself was really alive. Again, not a mirage, but to signify to them that the spiritual life and power which they should receive from him for all the services that lay before them. Listen, that's kind of a weird way to say it. We don't talk like that today. But there are services that lay before us. What does that mean? There are things for us to do. God looks at your life, every single one of you watching online here in the room, and he says, I've got something for you to do. I've got some people for you to love. I've got some impact I want you to make, and I'm gonna breathe into your life so you can make that. Because if I don't breathe into your life, you'll try and try and try, and it'll become a big mess. But I want you to represent me well. I want you to show the world what it is to be a follower of Jesus. You're not perfect, and you won't be until you're with me. But while you're there, you can really stand out. And you're gonna need my spirit in you to do that. And so we have the choice of walking through life connected to the source of life. We have the choice to say, all right, Lord, I'm in. I want you to just keep breathing into me. Show me who you are, God. Keep on letting me go deep in you. Or we can kind of just play it safe and open our scriptures once in a while and come to church. Hey, that's all good stuff, right? Because you're going to breathe here. You're going to breathe watching online a bit. But... I wonder what it's going to be like at Applebee's later, right? And Arby's later and work tomorrow and school this week and out on the soccer field and the lacrosse field and how are we going to act then? See, I think we act a little different if we're still breathing, if we're still connected, right? If we're still letting God breathe into our lives. So let me ask you a question. Are you feeling like your relationship with God is lifeless and boring? It's time to start breathing again. It's time to put on the scuba gear and go deep. Are you exerting without inhaling the presence of God? Because that's exhausting. Are you breathing and then trying to swim down deep, but you can't do it because you're not connected to the source of life anymore, so you gotta go back up for air? Or are you saying, no, Lord, let's dive deep. I'm I'm gonna stay connected listening to you and and remain close to you throughout the day. Guys, I wanna tell you something. You know, I hope what's very clear in this series, and not next week, but the week after when I talk about 
some of the things that happened to me in the hospital, uh, you will know very clearly that I'm nothing and nobody to uh, promote in and of myself. Um, I was on a lot of medication. Some of that medication did some funky things to me. And uh, we're going to have some fun with that in a couple of weeks, tell you some of my stories. But you're going to see very clearly in two weeks that if you think I'm some great person and look how he just endured and, oh, wow, there was just must have been, you know, thunderbolts of faith coming out of his eyeballs while he lied in that bed there. And there was this joy that he just naturally carries because he's a good person. You're going to see that's not true. I was so dependent on God for those things. And so 63 days I spent apart from my wife and my kids. It was probably the hardest part, away from my family and friends, away from all of you. 63 days, I was in the hospital and rehab and unable to go where I wanted to go when I wanted to go there. 63 days, I was apart from Chick-fil-A and Ciro's Pizza. Um, Most of those 63 days, I was without a shower or a toilet. So you can imagine how fun that was. And in fact, when I got to rehab and I was actually able to use both, I um, put on social media this idea of you guys not realizing what a precious commodity these things were and that you should show appreciation by going and hugging one of them. And only one of you took me up on it. This is my friend, Pete Smith. He was at the noon service today. And can we just thank you, Pete, for taking the challenge for all of us. None of you had to do it because he did it. (laughs) Those 63 days of no physical touch outside of the doctor or the nurse or the cleaning lady that would grab my hand and pray for me or just show compassion or the few times my wife was allowed him. I miss Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. I miss the Super Bowl. I miss Groundhog Day, which is really big where I come from. South Huntington's all about it. You didn't know that. It gets wild there. But I got to tell you, if you think for one second that I was laying in that bed full of just Doug joy, right? Doug faith, then you're really mistaken. I would struggle in my faith. I would struggle in my peace. I would struggle in having joy. I would wake up scared. I would wake up feeling alone. I would wake up feeling sick and horrible. And am I going to get through this? And there'd be fear on me. And I so badly needed to be connected to the source of life. And I was connected physically to one of these the entire time I was in the hospital and rehab. But I needed so much more than just physical air. I needed the spirit of God to breathe encouragement into my heart and joy and and love and and listen and mission. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. Mission into my life. That there was a purpose for what I was going through. There was a purpose for me being there. And that maybe, just maybe God wanted me to encourage these nurses and doctors that have been through so much. And to pray for them. And that I wasn't just there to get better, but I was there to make an impact and... And praise God, how many of them came today? How many of them came today? I got to thank them. And I got to pray with some of them. And that's not because I'm a good person. That's not because I had it all together. It's because I was desperate for the Spirit of God to breathe into my life in the hardest time of my life. And you need them too. And so we've seen we're dependent on God's breath for physical life. We're dependent on God's breath for spiritual life. But the question then comes, how do we breathe the breath of God? Some of you guys are going, great, Doug, I'm in. I would love to. Just show me how. How do I breathe the breath of God? What do I have to do? Is there something I have to study? Do I go through a course? Do I have to commit to some 12-week something or other? Like, what do I do? No, it's so simple. We just spend time with them. 
We spend time with our God. There's an invitation for you and I to breathe every moment of every day. Drawn in to who God is. And the main ways we spend time with him is is through prayer. That's the first one. And and prayer is just talking to God, right? It's communicating with God, our hearts, communicating to him what we're doing and what we're feeling and what we've been through and what we hope and, and what we ask for. And it's you and I getting on our knees maybe in the morning or taking a lunch break and and really just seeking God or going on a prayer walk. But it's also, right, talking to him throughout the day and making sure that we don't ever disconnect from the source of life, that we're always walking around connected, saying, Lord, here I am. It's one o'clock. I'm tired. It's been a long day already. But if you want to say something to me or you want to use me or you want me to show compassion to somebody, I'm right here. Staying connected to him talking to him, going out late at night and taking a prayer walk and looking up at the stars and saying, wow, this is an amazing God. Walking outside last night, looking at the blue, pink, purple, orange sunset that was out there. That'll do something to your soul. Remaining connected to him. But breathing's also about hearing from God, not just talking to him. And so he's given us his word, right? He's given us the scriptures. And, and 2 Timothy 3.16 says something incredible. It says, all scripture is god breathe. Everybody say breathe. Breathe. All scripture is God breathe. And so God is wanting to communicate his heart to you and I. And he again, doesn't just snap his fingers and the scriptures appear, right? He doesn't just command a bunch of people to write a bunch of stuff down and he dictates this and that. No, I love that there's this idea of him breathing it, that literally his life is in these words, that he himself is in these words, that this, as the scripture says, is a living word. Ooh, that's a good church name. That, right, that he is alive when he's communicating to you and me. And so, you guys are going, great, but what does that do for me? Well, look at what it does for you and me. In verse 16, let's read the whole thing into 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And I love verse 17. So that the servant of God, that's all of us here, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, when I spend time reading the scriptures, I'm going to become a person who's equipped to do the good works. And we often try to do the good works so that God will love us and accept us without ever breathing in his life. See how we get it backwards? And we get frustrated. Why is this addiction still owning me? Why is my marriage still falling apart like this? Why can't I break this temptation in my life? Why can't I walk in more freedom? Why can't I see God use me in bigger ways? Are you breathing? Are you breathing? You have to breathe to live every moment of the day physically. Are you and I breathing in his presence and his spirit? Moment by moment, Lord, I'm here. God, speak to me, lead me, direct me, do what you want. God, I'm listening and I'm ready Because your word, your very breath, the Holy Spirit inside of me, man, it's all prepared me for every good work. Please don't try to do every good work so that you can earn the breath of God. No, breathe in the breath of God so you can do every good work. This is an invitation. And we really have to change the way we think about this, right? Because I think, like me, we often exert without taking that breath. And I want you to think about the big jacked weightlifter. Our, our bass player, Dave, lifts weights like 17,000 pounds. And he goes up. And man, if you ever watch this guy on Instagram, his, devotion, his tagline or his, his name on, on Instagram is devotions and deadlifts. So you can have fun with that. It's pretty cool. And as he's there and he 
breathes deeply before every single time. He takes this massive breath. But how crazy it would be for him to just walk over, no deep breath, and just start trying to pick the thing up, right? This is for all the musicians in the room, those of you guys who play a wind instrument, and you're playing the piece, and there's all the 16th notes strung together, and man, you're, you're, you're getting there, and you're getting there, and not taking the huge breath, right, before those measures of music. This is you guys who are in the pool, and you're pranksters, and you see your friend with his back to you, and you're going to swim at the very bottom of the pool until you get to his legs, and you yank him out from underneath him. If you don't take that deep breath first, it's not going to go well. And God says the same to you, and I want you to breathe. I want you to breathe first. I want you to breathe consistently. I want you to come to me for every breath. I want you to rely on me for every breath. Oh man, how the word of God equipped me and and breathed into me when I was going through what I was going through in the hospital. Before I went on the vent, I had a friend call me and he said, you need to get Psalm 118, 17 in your heart and you need to speak it out. You need to speak it out. And Psalm 118, 17 says, I will not die but live and proclaim what the Lord has done. And I must have spoken that out a thousand times. I spoke that out on the vent, in my heart, on ECMO. I still remember speaking that out. I can tell you exactly what I was thinking and what I was seeing as I'm speaking this out. I had, uh, I'll tell you in a few weeks about a moment before I went on the vent where I just like ugly cried out to God, like tears and snot and the whole thing just went for it. There were people, nurses looking through the window at me like, what is this guy doing? It was just a moment where I was crying out to the Lord and I'm saying this verse after I came off ECMO in the vent and they found blood clots in my legs and they found more pneumonia in me and my lungs collapsed and they put three tubes in me. Through it all, I was saying Psalm 118, 17, I will not die but live and declare what the Lord has done. And his word was encouraging me because like I said, there were nurses and doctors to reach, right? And there I was waking up in the morning saying, I can't handle another day. I can't do this. I miss my family. I miss just moving. I can't even lift my legs off the bed. I would, the first time I tried to stand up, the room was spinning and two nurses had to carry me from the bed to the chair. I couldn't walk. And I didn't try that again for weeks because I was afraid. What's going to happen when I sit up this time? I just wonder what I would have done if I didn't have the word of God to encourage me through it. If I didn't have God's word to to challenge me through it and and breathe life into me and remind me that there's faith and there's hope and there's others who've come before me who have suffered and conquered and come through and there's a God who's faithful and there's a God who can be trusted and relied upon through it all. I was so dependent on God for every good work in there. If you've heard something about me or my wife or our kids, hey man, I'm so thankful for them. They are amazing people but it's only because God is breathing into us. And so again, if you've heard or read or a friend told you, oh, you got me to, again, I got nothing for you outside of a risen Savior who's breathing life into me. And so we've talked about our physical lives, our spiritual lives, and we've talked about every good work. And what I really hope you guys are seeing here, if I could sum everything up we've talked about, it's this, we are dependent on God's breath for physical life, spiritual life, and every good work. Don't get it backwards. Right? Don't try to do those three, conquer those three categories of your life and then breathe. Get it right. Breathe first. Let God breathe into you. Have you breathed in a long time? Has it been five or 10 or 15 years since you really, truly 
encounter Jesus in a powerful way. It's time to breathe again. It's time to deep dive again. Are you exerting without inhaling the presence of God? I got to get out of that habit physically. I still do it. You and I, we've got to get into that habit spiritually of saying, Lord, I'm going to breathe first. I'm going to breathe consistently. And that's why we stay connected to the source of life. And when we do, we will see things down deep that just aren't up by the surface. And we'll do it with an ease and an enjoyment because we're connected to the source of life. Somebody once said that the thing God wants most from us is our attention. We all think it's our obedience. Man, if I could just obey, then man, God's going to be happy with me. The thing God wants most is our attention because it's so funny. When he has our attention, we become more obedient, don't we? Because we're looking at the Lord who loves us and saying, man, I actually want to live that way. I want to do the right thing. I struggle with it. I don't always want to because I'm tempted and this happens and that happens and, and I fall short or I stumble. Or, but I'm going to get my eyes back on my Lord. And man, as he has my attention, watch how I change and his powers breathe into me. There is peace. There is joy. There is salvation. There is freedom. There is healing that is all wrapped up in breathing the breath of God. So next week is Easter, and I'll share a little bit of my story, but we're more going to celebrate Easter and then get back to this the week after. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to tell you, God wants to breathe into you right here, right now, right exactly as you are. Like I said, he's changing all of us. He's making all of us more and more like him as we breathe in his life. But if you're here today thinking you're ruled out, until you fix this area of your life, or you think you're ruled out because you have this temptation or struggle or your past, man, there is a God who loves you right where you are, and he so badly wants to breathe into your life. And so I'm on ECMO, and I know that if I make it, I'm going to have to breathe eventually on my own. And that was stressing me out so badly. I was so afraid. I would tell the nurses, I would say, I'm afraid of of being moved off this floor. I'm afraid of coming off the van. I'm afraid. And yet it's all I wanted was to be off it. But there was this fear in me because I kept thinking, I've got I've to do this, right? I've got to perform and breathe the right way or I'm never getting off this. And I'll never forget, I wish I knew the day and the time I first saw it, but that vision or dream I had was my heavenly father just carrying me and breathing every single breath right into me. Completely dependent on him. Not me like working for it. Not me trying to do something so that he would breathe more into my life. No, I was held by him and he was just, every single breath was coming right from him. Totally and completely dependent. And so I come off ECMO and I'm on the vent and the doctors came in and I don't even remember this. My wife told me this, but they said, that I had to take a breathing test, which means they lower the vent and then just see how you do. And I don't remember that first test, but Kelly said that I failed it miserably within just a few minutes and I wasn't ready to come off the vent. And I do know that caused more anxiety in me because here I was on the other side of ECMO and I'd been on the vent for all this time and I was just wanting so badly to be home and with my family. And as I would just get back to that place, I, I can close my eyes and see that vision. I can see the Lord holding me and breathing into me. And when I get there, I breathe different. And I breathe peacefully. And I breathe exactly how I should. And so they tell me, well, we're going to do another test. We're going to try and get you off this thing, Doug. And so they come in, they tell me it's going to take about an hour. 
Well, it was more like two hours. And so for that first hour, man, I was killing it. I was going for it. I felt like I was in that rhythm and it was going well. But then I'm looking at the clock because, again, I'm for some reason awake through all this. And I'm seeing, oh, it's been an hour 15. Now it's been an hour and a half. And I just had a full-on panic attack. And I couldn't breathe. And I was gasping for air. I texted my wife, I can't breathe. Please help. Please call somebody. And I fell asleep. And I woke back up. And I was in a perfect rhythm of breathing. And I figured I'd failed at that point, so I just breathed. All pressure was off. And I'd get back to that place where I saw my Heavenly Father holding me and breathing into me. And Dr. Strachan came in. And he said, Jansen, I don't know what to do with you. He said, half my team thinks you're ready to come off the, the vent, and the other half thinks you should stay on it. He said, I like you. You laugh at all my jokes, which is a lesson should always laugh at people's jokes because they may be able to kill you. <laughs> and so he said, I'm going to go have another meeting. And if we're going to take you off the vent, then one of my coworkers is going to come back with all the, the gear. And he's going to take you off that vent. And I didn't, I, did, I, was, I, it was, I was like so excited, but I was also afraid. And I'm going, God, if I need to stay on, then keep me on. I just remember sitting there in the room with my hands like this, just surrendered, going, God, just do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. I'm texting Kelly. Well, the guy comes back into the room with all his paraphernalia. He goes, we're going to get, get this thing out of you. And I said, I got to FaceTime my wife. I need you to, well, I'm writing all this on a whiteboard because I can't talk yet. But I need you to, to you know, text my, I got to FaceTime my wife so she can. And he just looked back at me. He said, Doug, you're going to be talking to her in 30 seconds. And he brought the, <laughs> I won't get too graphic. He brought the devices over and there was this mask over my face and this strap, and he said, you know, this thing comes off, it's going to hurt. And it hurt. <laughs> but as soon as the vent was out of me, he put this high-flow cannula right up on my nose, and it's blasting air up into my nose. And listen, he looked at me, and he said, now breathe. The source of life, the source of air is right here. And I want to tell you tonight, breathe. The source of life is right here. God is right here. And he wants you to breathe. And he doesn't want you to breathe and then stop breathing. He doesn't want you to breathe for a while and get connected to him and then disconnect tomorrow or for the whole week and then come back and breathe again next Sunday. He wants you to keep breathing. It's this beautiful invitation. And we have to change the way we think about this. Now, when I talk about spending time with God, I don't say I'm going to go spend some time with God. I'm going to go do my devotions. You know what I say? I'm going to go breathe for a while. I'm going to go breathe him in for a while. I'm going to go spend time with him. And I want to keep breathing. I want to stay conscious of this God who's done so much for me. And he wants to do that to you. He wants you to talk to him. And he wants to talk to you. He wants you to open up the scriptures and speak to you. If you don't know how to read the Bible or it bores you, you fall asleep, you don't know what to read, you don't have one, you don't know what app is good or not good, we are here to help. Please let us help you understand what it is to have a relationship with God. But at the end of the day, there is an open invitation for you and I to breathe. Let me pray for you. God, we're so grateful that you've done so much for us. And God, tonight we recognize that we're dependent on you God, for physical life, spiritual life, and every good work. And right now, God, we just want to breathe. We want to breathe in your presence. We want to breathe in 
who you are, God. We want a deep breathe. We want a deep dive, God. We want to see the things that are down deep that aren't up by the surface. And so, God, we've got to stay connected to you. There are things you've called each and every one of us to that will only happen when we've gone deep. And so, God, I just ask you for help. I ask you that the prayer of every person in this room right now watching online would be, oh, God, breathe into my life in a new way. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you pray about that? Would you get real with God about disappointments and hurts? Would you get real with God about how long it's been maybe since you've felt him or sensed a leading of his presence in your life? Would you say, God, I got to tell you, I'm always exerting. I'm never inhaling the presence of God. Would you say, God, I I always disconnect from you, but God, I want to stay connected to the source of life. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me now. I'd love for you to ask God to breathe into your life. And if you'd like to do that, you can pray with me right now, just silently. You can begin a conversation with God and say, Jesus, would you breathe into my life? Would you give me the Holy Spirit? Would you forgive me for my sin? Today, I am trusting God that you gave your life for me. That Jesus, you hung on that cross and that you rose from the dead because I couldn't fix myself. That God, I needed you. And so I thank you for this gift of salvation. And I ask God that you will show me and teach me what it looks like to now follow you. In your name, amen. The song that we're gonna sing as we close is a really special song to my family. When I was at my worst, my wife and the kids would blast this song throughout the house and declare it. And Kelly would play it for me and have the nurses play it for me. something that we celebrated with on the day that I came off the vent. And so I would encourage you now just to stand and sing with us and and declare over your life some of those dead places, some of those sick places, those broken places that God can do the impossible in the midst of it all. So you guys can stand with us.